0: Happy Monday and welcome back to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley. Today I have a very interesting and different episode for you uh, with the guys from the Bible Dingers podcast, and we are discussing hell. That may seem like an odd topic, but it's actually really important that we understand what the Bible does say about hell because we all will live eternally somewhere, either with God or apart from him. So I think you'll find this episode very helpful and informational. I do want to remind you about our Patreon community, which is uh the place that I produce thirty minute or less episodes that are usually just me and the mic discussing uh the the news of the week, the thing that either everyone's been talking about or perhaps going into more depth on something that I've been chatting about on Instagram or just something that I've been learning God's been teaching me or processing. And, uh, that is, that is where you can come for more content. If you are caught up on all your Kindled episodes and you're wanting more, I have more for you inside Patreon. So join us there at patreon.com slash Kindled podcast. Okay. Here is my conversation.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely.
0: I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves. If you would to listeners, tell us who you are, uh, where you live and what you do.
1: Who's going first? Well, um, I'll go first, sure. Okay. Well, um, my name is Nick. Uh, we've been doing this podcast together for about three years, and uh, um, I'm in seminary. I'm training to be a pastor, and uh, I'm excited to be on. We, you know, we cover a, a, a whole bunch of different uh, topics on our show, but mainly we go book by book. So today, this episode is gonna be exciting for us to do with you. So thank you for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I live in New Jersey, if you can't tell by the sound of my voice.
0: I was gonna guess either New York or New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Nice.
2: Um, I'll go, uh, my name is Mark. I do all the, like, the editing and the audio for Bible Dingers. And um, that's my full-time job. I work as a video editor And um, yeah, I'm also from New Jersey. Well, Nick's really from Brooklyn. He didn't say that. That's his accent. That is true. That is
0: true. Okay. Yep. Very cool.
3: Uh, I'm Ryan and I do sort of the research and the writing for the episodes. So I'm the one digging through the books and writing the outlines uh, and putting together the research uh i've been into theology and bible and stuff for forever ever since i was a teenager and so i love it and so whenever we got together and decided to put the show together it was it was pretty natural um but i also you guessed it i'm from new jersey so Mm -hmm.
0: so did you guys did you guys meet each other locally and then just like become friends and then you started the podcast from there
3: yeah, yeah, we uh, we went to church. It? Yeah, Nick and I went to church together um, for a while and we were serving together both in the worship team and the youth ministry.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And then after a couple of years, I ended up going to a different church and then Mark kind of came in and he joined the worship team at the church I used to go to. So him and Nick became friends. So Nick was kind of the common link between the three of us. We all kind of went to church together, but at different times but through the magic of Nick uh we all three are best friends.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm a magical human being, I guess.
0: <laughs> Just a unicorn, a unicorn among you. Yeah. Men. Right. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um that's great. Well, thanks for introducing yourself guys. Um I I'm excited about this topic. So we're going to be talking about hell. Um, I, I know that that may seem weird to be excited about, um, but I think that this is a topic that a lot of Christians – uh are probably sort of confused about maybe don't really know exactly what they believe or if they have some ideas they're not even sure what those are based in is it like you know their their nightmares from childhood or sunday school coloring sheets or like what exactly i mean yikes that's kind of the sem- sunday school <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well i did grow up in a reformed church so that would make sense but uh, <laughs> um yeah, I just think it would be, it would be really helpful to kind of walk through some of the most, uh, what's the word, popular views of hell, which we're, mm-hmm. you guys are going to do for us today. So I just say we jump right in and um, you're going to present some of the scriptures that are the foundation for that particular perspective on what hell is. So I don't know who's going first, but whoever would like to can kind of jump in with uh, the first view.
1: So Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and dive Mm -hmm. right in. So it's important to know about hell. I mean, it seems like one of those off topics no one wants to study, Mm -hmm. but it's essential. We need to know about it, and we need to know what the Bible teaches about it, because we know, unfortunately, that a large percentage of people in this earth are going to go there. So we do need to give them necessary warnings, and we do need to tell them what the Bible says about it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus spoke about hell uh, often. And so many of us know so little about it. And a lot of us still have the picture on our head, like you said, in the beginning of some flaming furnace or like, you know, a man standing there with a pitchfork or whatever, or he's dressed in a red uh, jumpsuit or something like that. You know, that's far from the reality of it. Uh, What the Bible says about hell um, and the primary Greek word for hell is Gehenna. And that specific word is used 12 times in the New Testament, but there are other words used to describe the place of punishment, and we're going to talk about that today, and some of those words are fire, destruction, darkness, weeping, Um, so it's definitely uh, not a description that brings happiness, (laughs) so we, no matter what view you hold to, um, we know that this is a place of torment, and it's a place that we don't want to go to And we want to believe in Jesus. So I'll just start off by saying this place is not a place you want to go to. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, I pray that you'll know him today. Um, But there are generally three views of hell, three popular views. Uh, There are other interpretations, but these are the three most popular. Um, And the two uh, most popular out of the three um, are eternal conscious torment, which we would refer to as ECT or annihilationism, um, which people that hold to it would rather call it conditional immortality. And then we have a third one that's less popular, and that is universalism.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's helpful.
3: Yeah, so I was going to jump in, and uh, I guess in terms of popularity, eternal conscious torment is by far the most popular. I mean, it's not even really close between first and second. That is the mainstream popular belief among almost every Christian denomination is that uh, people will go to hell and they will be immortal and they will be awake and consciously tormented. That's what when people think of hell, they think of people being in hell forever, being in torment forever. Uh, So that's by far the most popular view in Christianity. The second most popular, like he said, is annihilationism. And uh, it's a pretty far second, but it's growing in popularity, I think, among younger people. Um, and that's essentially that people who are saved will receive immortality. That's why annihilationists prefer to call it conditional immortality, mm-hmm. that you have to be saved in order to receive immortality after death. And people who are unsaved, when they die, they will they will essentially be annihilated. they will no longer exist um, because they did not receive that gift of everlasting life. And then the third view, which is is honestly not popular at all at least among Christians. It's a popular view I'd say among non-Christians that eventually everyone will be in heaven. but as far as the Christian world, universalism isn't very popular. There's a couple popular voices like uh, Rob Bell, and uh, a couple other people but it is a view nonetheless uh but but as far as popularity it's not very high up there so another thing about universalism and annihilationism is that it doesn't necessarily try to deny the existence of hell a lot of people sometimes make that misconception especially about universalism uh it just kind of tries to speak to what hell is like uh, so the Bible clearly states that hell exists. Mm-hmm. Anybody, anybody can understand that just by reading it plainly for what it is. Um, but these three views kind of try and reconcile what it actually is like. And so before, before we kind of get into the arguments for or against each one, I did want to note that whether you are conservative or liberal as far as your theology most people across the board don 't believe that hell is a place of actual literal fire um, and so you know so people conservative and liberal theologians will agree and disagree on symbolism in the bible so is is things in revelation are they literally going to happen or is it just symbolism or The seven days of creation. Was it a literal seven days or was that symbolic language? However, conservative and liberal theologians across the board don't really think that it's a literal fire in hell. For the most part, everyone believes that it's figurative because it's kind of counterintuitive to have a place of eternal fire and eternal darkness. Uh, Both of those things kind of literally couldn't exist next to each other if it's a place of all-encompassing fire and all-encompassing darkness that seems to be uh, illogical
0: so you kind of have to take one of those figuratively because if it's if it's literal fire then it's maybe spiritual darkness which would make sense but then it's like how do you determine which one is literal versus figurative
3: right so a conservative and a liberal theologian can agree that there's definitely symbolism Mm -hmm. when it comes to hell and the terms used for hell uh so that's one what that's one thing i just kind of wanted to get out of the way the second thing i wanted to get out of the way before we get into arguments for and against is there's a very common misconception about the word gehenna and uh, if you've been in the church for a while you've probably heard a sermon or two that talks about gehenna being kind of the trash dump outside of the city where they would burn trash And that's where the symbolism comes from, for hell. And that's not actually true. That's not what the writers of the New Testament were referring to when they used the word Gehenna. Gehenna was indeed a place where they took trash out and burned it. But that didn't come until after New Testament times. Gehenna originally was a place where the Israelites would go and they would sacrifice children to the God Molech. And so in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah sort of prophesies against the Israelites and says that essentially, since you're sacrificing children and bringing them to this God, you will burn. And, and then that's where the New Testament writers get this symbolism for Gehenna. That's where the burning comes from because it's, it's, it's derived from Jeremiah where he's prophesying about them being burned. So that was just a couple misconceptions that I wanted to get out of the way before we kind of get into mm-hmm. uh, the more specific arguments. There's, they're, they're very common beliefs. And I would say very common misconceptions. One that it's a literal fire. A lot of people don't believe that. And two uh, that the Gehenna was a trash dump. And that's what the new Testament writers were referring to. Neither, neither of those are actually true.
1: Okay. And uh, one other thing that I'd like to add, um, and by all means, if you have something Haley, go, oh, go for it. Um, I want to I wanna talk about presuppositions. So, tr- traditionally, in conservative, a conservative audience, if they hear something that they traditionally would disagree with, they would automatically shut off the episode and say, No, I believe in ECT, or uh, No, 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 I'm an, I'm an annihilationist, or whatever the case may be. They're closed minded. Um, And I'm not talking about everyone, obviously, and I'm not saying that that everyone is guilty of that. But what I am saying is that there are some that might be listening to this that say, oh, no, all the other beliefs are heresy. I'm not going to even be educated on that. But if you're truly going to hold to a belief, any type of theological belief, for that matter, any type of doctrine, you should be well versed in any of the other arguments. And it's important not to say that, oh, I might change my mind. But you should say, What does God's word truly say? Not be based on my presuppositions, but because it's what God's word actually says. Um, so, in order to do that, you do need to study the other views. So, I think it's important to know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good note for sure to take into account. I want to tell you about our first sponsor of today, and that is Little Light Artisans. Little Light Artisans are gorgeous earrings that are handcrafted from start to finish. This is a small Christian family owned business that makes handcrafted wood and resin earrings. This is a very unique material. It's super lightweight. They are a decent size though. And they give you that statement earring look, which I love without the weight in the pull on your earlobes that just drives you crazy. Much like the name, these earrings actually catch and reflect light. Yes, that's why they named it Little Light Artisans because they are very beautiful. They're kind of this marbled look. I don't really know how to describe it. You need to just go look at their Instagram, check it out, at Little Light Artisans. And the owner, Lauren, is giving Kindled listeners 20% off on all orders over $100 with the code TAKE20. You can order at their website, littlelightartisans.com. So, which one are we doing first? ECT?
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, let's attack the most popular one first, not attack, I used the wrong word, but let's discuss um, the most popular one. So eternal conscious torment, ECT, a brief definition of that would be um, eternal conscious torment is the belief that unrepentant people who have not accepted Christ's atonement, right, for their sins, will be sent to a place of eternal conscious torment. It's pretty much self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since most of your audience is gonna hold to this, uh, they already know what they believe. Um, that the person that gets that goes to hell is going to be conscious, he's and an in eternal torment. All right. Um, and there is some biblical support for that. People who support the ECT view of hell would say that traditionally there are 10 verses i'm only going to bring up three just for the uh, sake of time um, but this material is easily found on google or or whatever commentary that you use or whatever the case may be you can uh, definitely find the other 10 but we'll discuss the three most popular ones um, but there are 10 main passages that talk about hell and each of those have three commonalities in the description of it so those commonalities our final separation so that they will never be able to experience god and be in his presence ever again unending experience which is that the punishment is eternal and that the consequence um, of hell for whoever goes there um, is just retribution um, because of their unrepentant state so the idea here is that each of the passages In scripture, describe hell as a place of final separation, unending experience, and just retribution. Okay?
0: Okay.
1: Um, So let's discuss uh, the first, probably most well-known one is Matthew 18, 6 through 9. And I'll read it for you. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some Mm -hmm. to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So um, here we would see the just retribution um, and we would know that the people who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, right? Uh, what's interesting about this particular verse is that, um, here in the verse, it is an assumed antithetical parallelism. Um, and that's like, what is that? Right. Uh, that's a style of writing. So when the author was writing this, um, basically the intention was for us to read it and to assume the opposite. So at the end, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, we can safely assume that those who are unwise won't shine like the brightness of the sky. So if, if if we know it's it's opposite on the other end, we now know that we can assume that the unwise won't shine like the brightness of the sky. So that's Matthew 18, 6 or 9. Um, they'll know that they sleep in the dust of the earth. Uh, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting Which means forever, contempt. Okay. The next one is uh, definitely, definitely the two uh, ones that I'll discuss are the most popular, and that's out of the book of Revelation, Revelation 14, 9 through 11. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, and whoever receives the mark of its name. So the imagery is clear that the smoke of their torment, that the torment is everlasting forever and ever, and they will have no rest. Um, I don't wanna start debating here already, but based on this one particular verse, uh, if annihilationism was a case for this argument, since we're discussing it, uh, they would have no rest. So if they have no rest, that means they have to exist in order to be fully conscious and existent. So uh, that will show you that ECT is um, a view based on those that verse. And the next, yeah, one I wanted is... to
3: jump in. Sorry, I didn't want to disrupt you, Nick, but I wanted to no, jump in and uh, just say that annihilationism and universalism both have solid arguments. But to me, this verse in Revelation fourteen is it's almost a ringer for ECT. Um, and we'll get into more of what the other views say, but revelation 14, nine through 11 is very difficult to get around. If you do not believe in eternal conscious mm-hmm. torment.
1: Yeah, it's certainly difficult, but I'm sure you'll do a good job of it. <laughs> um, the next one is revelation 20, 10 and then 14, and 15. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire, and so for where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So we're gonna uh, eventually we'll go back and forth here and have a regular conversation about this, mm-hmm. um, but just to hit some general points. So many people who don't support it say it isn't right or it doesn't make sense to punish people eternally for sins they committed temporarily here on earth. Um, so that's one of the arguments against ECT. Supporters would say that you have a diminished view of both God and of sin you don't understand the severity of sin and you don't understand God's wrath, Um, the main point here is that because we've sinned against an eternal God, we deserve eternal punishment. So that's what a person that would hold to ECT would say that you need to have a proper understanding of the holiness of God. He is perfectly holy and have a proper understanding of sin and the depth and weight of it on your life and the fact that you know, mixing oil and water together never happens. And mixing Mm -hmm. sin and God together will never happen. So even if you do one little tiny sin, it corrupts you enough to be, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, stained forever. So um,
0: I love that you brought that out, especially because I think um, I I just think we see that regardless of your view of hell, I think we see today in so many mainstream popular Christian views, like uh, an emphasis on us and are like like the view you just presented you said that the argument against is like well we only sinned in a finite temporal world so how could we ju- be judged eternally but that's forgetting that we our sin is not first and foremost against ourselves in this world i mean it does affect us it does hurt us but we are sinning against a holy perfectly just perfectly righteous and infinite and eternal God. So like you said, I mean, just re and em- emphasizing that point that I think you see this meology man centric view seep into all kinds of things. And that's just one of the ways that I think people forget. It's not mostly about how you feel about your sin. It's mostly what, what, how does God require us to be in relationship with him? And that's the problem. So yeah, yeah. thanks for bringing that up.
1: And and, you know, what's hard to wrap your mind around, and and that's any person, Christian or not Christian, is the fact that we exist for God's glory. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want to be man-centered. We want to live for ourselves. We want to live for materialistic things, temporary happiness. But ultimately, we're here for God's glory. We exist to display the power of God. And and basically, we're living proof. Sorry. Basically, we're living proof that God exists because only a holy God, a perfect creator, creates something like us. So God uses eternal punishment in hell for his glory. Um, his love brings him glory when he saves us from our sins mm-hmm. and his justice brings him glory. He's a perfect judge when he punishes people for their sins. So we know that he, just like he's a perfectly loving God, he's also a perfect judge and he gives you exactly what you deserve. If God let people off the hook for their sins, we would say he is unjust. In the same way, we would say that a judge is unjust for letting a serial killer off the hook with absolutely no prison time.
0: Right. Cool. Good job. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty, pretty good presentation of that view. Any comments before we move on to the next one?
3: Um, do you want me to give objections to the view or do you want to go ahead and get into the next one?
0: Um, I'm open either way, depending on what your time limits are. Cause I think I, he mentioned that. You I would say, crunch.
1: I would say get through the, get through the, the views first. And then she wants us to communicate our biases. We can kind of okay. go back and forth at the end.
0: Cool. That sounds good.
3: All right. So you want to, you want me to smoke these dudes
1: at the end of this conversation?
3: Exactly. <laughs> hey, exactly. I mean,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm open to be challenged.
3: Was that I'm a hell totally joke? Joking. Totally joking. Yeah. Joke. Oh, you think that's a hell
1: joke? That was a hell <laughs> there.
3: <toilet laughs> I didn't even connect the dots on that one.
1: <laughs> Bro, when you beat, when you beat me in the debate, I'm going to feel the burn, you know?
3: Oh, okay. Oh, All wow, right.
0: Wow, wow. That's brutal. Okay. <laughs> I want to take a second to introduce you to one of my sponsors. And that is my friend Lacey Baumiller with the five minute meal. Lacey teaches women that long-term weight loss is a byproduct of healthy sustainable habits not short-term fad diets if you follow me on insta you've likely seen that i've been on my own health journey to create more sustainable and healthy habits so i could not agree with Lacey more her five-minute meal will teach you a simple weekly meal planning system that will simplify mealtime save you from the overwhelm of wondering what to make for dinner every night and help you prepare nutritious meals that will move the needle on your health goals and your entire family will love. To download the five-minute meal plan with recipes, shopping lists, and a step-by-step process to make it all happen, just scroll down in the show notes of this episode and click the link to go to Lacey's website. It's completely free. And bonus, anyone who downloads will get a 15-minute pantry audit where Lacey will teach you how to stock your pantry to make this process effortless. Just simply scroll down on the show notes of this episode to click the link and download your five-minute meal plan today.
3: So... Um... That was eternal conscious torment, by far the most popular view. Um, Second view is annihilationism, or you could call it conditional immortality. So basically, annihilationism is the belief that only those who received Christ, who received salvation, will receive eternal life after death, Uh, while those who did not will ultimately receive the ultimate death, which is annihilation or ceasing to exist altogether. Um, So, so an annihilationist would say that basically every verse that describes the destination for those that are not in Christ says that that destination is death or destruction or something similar to that. And, that 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 proves that the ultimate consequence for unatoned sin is basically cessation of existence it's death it's destruction um and that they would say that it's counterintuitive to think that the word death means eternal life or that death or destruction means being awake forever um and so they would, they would say that the large majority of scriptures, which talks about the destination of the wicked, is a wiping out. And so that's sort of the biblical support that I'm going to give real quick for annihilationism, that the destination of the wicked is annihilation. So in Philippians 3.19, it says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. And a lot of these verses are just little, little one verse things. So they're going to be mm-hmm. quick and easy to share. Cool. The next one is Romans six 23 and everybody knows this one it says for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I'm going to kick it back to what Nick said a little bit earlier about that antithetical parallelism, uh, which is just a fancy word to say opposites. So the Bible uses antithetical parallelism in scriptures to say. A receives this, B receives this, and that's what's happening here in Romans, where they say the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so an annihilationist would say the opposite of eternal life is death or wiping out. And so people who don't receive the gift of Christ will ultimately be wiped out. They will not have an everlasting life after this earth. They will not be tormented with, an, with some sort of immortal. they will just be wiped out. Um, a couple others here. It says in 2 Peter 2.6, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. So here he uses the example of Sodom and Gomorrah and actually uses the word extinction to describe what's going to happen to the ungodly eventually. And it would be tough to argue things like extinction or death or as an opposite of eternal life or wiping out. It's hard for an annihilationist to marry that up with living forever after life and being tormented. And so that is sort of the main scriptural support for annihilationism. Um, and besides those, there's, I mean, there's there's probably dozens of verses that speak to death or destruction being the end for the non-believer. Um, but it would just take forever to go through all of them. But those are some of the key ones. Um, okay. Yeah. So as far as I guess philosophically supporting annihilationism, eternal doesn't always mean eternal. Like as in time, in in the Bible, for example, Genesis forty nine twenty six talks about eternal hills, and so clearly the hills themselves are not going to last eternally. Um, Habakkuk three six talks about eternal mountains. Exodus twelve says that we will celebrate Passover eternally. And of course, you and I as Christians, some some people kind of quirkily uh, celebrate Passover, but it's not it's not like a typical uh, celebration in the in the Christian world. Um, And so there's just several, there's just several places in scripture where eternal doesn't necessarily mean a length of time, it could just mean grand or great, um, or just speak to the power of something. Also, an annihilationist would say that the verses that eternal conscious torment people use, whenever it talks about eternality, it's always talking about the fire or the punishment itself and never necessarily talks to the person being eternal. So it talks about the eternal fires of hell or the eternal punishment of hell. Sort of saying, and so an annihilationist would say that the punishment itself, the torment itself, lasts forever, but people throughout time are just thrown into the punishment and the punishment annihilates them. And then also, uh, I think Calvinists across the board, and I'm sure you have a wide uh, range of people that listen to your podcast. So I want to speak to the Calvinists who listen to your podcast, which I am. Mm -hmm. and have been for many years um i think calvinists will across the board agree that mankind is born already damned to hell because of original sin and it's important to note that whenever adam and eve were warned of eating the fruit in the garden they weren't told that they will surely live on and be thrown into flames they were told that they will surely die. And so that warning, which now moves into all of humankind because of original sin, is that we will surely die and not that we will surely live on and be tormented. And so that's just another reason why an annihilationist would say that uh, the, the punishment for original sin And so all humankind is death, um, and so that's another reason why an annihilationist can argue that all of humankind is now faced with death as as our reward for sin. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's honestly a million reasons why, and I don't want to clog up all the time here on annihilationism, but mm-hmm. the I think the core argument is that in Scripture, whenever it talks about hell or the destination of the wicked, it is either destruction or death or the termination of life in some way, mm-hmm. um, and that any scriptures that seem to speak about eternal punishment, they're actually speaking to the punishment or the fire itself. I think that's really the main idea behind annihilation.
0: So the punishment is the fire, which creates the annihilation of the person, right? Exactly.
3: Okay. And that is what is eternal, the fire or the punishment itself, not, not that person's life within that
0: punishment. Got it. Lake of fire burn up, cease to exist.
3: Right, exactly.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. All On right. to
0: universalism.
2: Yep. Universalism. So uh like Ryan, I think Ryan said in the beginning, uh this is probably the least popular view, even though it's still it's still a view among Christians. Um so the thing about universalists is sometimes they get disregarded as not being biblical at all. Uh, almost just like wishful thinkers, but, uh, there really is some scripture to be talked about here when it comes to universalists. And, uh, we shouldn't just cast them aside saying that they're not Christians for believing this. Um, you know, we, we don't want to just dismiss them as heretics. That's, that's not a good practice. Uh, so, again, we want to be engaging these different views, even if we don't necessarily agree with them right off the bat. Um, So a misconception is that universalists don't even believe in hell, um, which is actually not true. Um, So universalists do believe in hell. They just don't believe that it's the end of the story. Um, They believe that there will be judgment, but that things don't end with judgment. So generally speaking, you know, they believe that everyone will eventually Be in heaven, or well, I guess Christian Universalists believe everyone will eventually be in heaven, right? But they still believe that hell is part of God's design, it has a purpose that it serves, uh, even if it's not where people will be for eternity. Um, Yeah, I guess more of a formal definition for Universalism is that it's the view that in the end, God will reconcile all people to Himself through Christ. And uh, we can talk about some biblical support. The first one is Romans 5.18, which says, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of, for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. And so you can see the second half of that, it's talking about justification for all men. And, you know, we have to wrestle with that and understand what that means. And women, too. And women.
1: yeah Uh, okay yeah yeah a woman (laughs) gosh don't get me started
0: (laughs) we'll have you back for another cultural commentary next time
1: there you go gosh yeah
0: all right keep going
2: yeah um the next one we can look at john 129 which says the next day he saw jesus coming toward him and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and the emphasis being on the whole world having its sin taken away. And uh, lastly, we'll look at John twelve thirty two, and it says, "And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself." And once again, talking about all people. Now, uh, philosophical support for this position. Um, so, universalism—it's not a brand new idea. Many early theologians held to this viewpoint including Origen, Eusebius, and St. Augustine, at least in the beginning of his ministry. Uh, This point is made to show that it is a viable option that leaders in the faith have held for centuries. Um, Universalists say that most Christians are universalists about creation, meaning uh, creation being that God created everyone, and they're universalist about sin, meaning that all of creation fell short, but then they're not universalist about redemption. Which is that all creation is redeemed through Christ, and um, let's see. So a universalist would say that God is love, right? I think all Christians agree on that. Um, so the very, yeah, so the very definition of love is that love wants what's best for people, and the best for those who have died and gone to hell would be for God to reconcile them to Himself. And allow them to join in his presence. So those are all of the major ideas in scripture when talking about universalism.
3: Yeah, I would jump in and say that a lot of universalists believe that essentially people who don't believe in Jesus do go to hell temporarily. And then eventually God brings them to heaven. That sounds like purgatory.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, it kind kind of is
3: in a way. It kind of just is
1: kind of closely aligned with that. And that's it, kind of the fourth view of hell as well, which mm-hmm. we won't discuss today because yeah. it's just not biblically correct at all. But right. Um, and, and you
0: yeah. you kind of mentioned this, I think, Mark, when you were talking that um this is distinct from universalism as a uh you know, as a denomination, right? This is we're talking about the universalist view of hell, not universalism in a christianity denominational sense right or or are uh, they the same i I don't know i'm not they're they're growing together in my mind how are they distinct if they are
2: i'm not sure i know exactly i don't know if you guys do ryan or nick
3: um yeah as far as the universal church i i don't know a whole lot
1: about them to be honest
0: okay Uh, that's all right we don't have to attack it then
3: this is universal. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know if that really I mean, maybe they go on hand in hand, but I, this is not necessarily okay. specific to that denomination. Right. right. There are right. other people who consider them a Baptist or a Pentecostal or whatever that could hold to this view. So I don't know if they necessarily right. go hand in hand. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, I I had I did have a question, but I want to I want to give as much time as I can to you guys um, sharing where you land and your personal conviction, um, if you are willing to do that.
1: Got your gloves yeah. on, Ryan.
3: Yeah, let's go. Yeah,
1: sure. I'll let Ryan go first because you do have to go, right?
3: Uh, I do. I have a hard stop at two, unfortunately. But uh, okay. So, I my entire life have been eternal conscious torment um my entire life until about six months ago um and i am not an annihilationist yet i feel like i'm on the cusp of annihilationism uh i think that if you do sit down and examine every last scripture about hell and The destination of sinners, I do honestly believe that the majority of the verses talk about death or destruction or cutting off. And I think that if you kind of honestly analyze the 10 verses that somebody who believes in eternal conscious torment will use to to make their argument i think if you do truly sit down and analyze every single one of them i think that every single one of them does speak to the punishment itself being eternal and none of them speak to the person's life being eternal except for the one that I mentioned earlier is sort of the ringer and that's in um, Revelation 14. Yeah. Revelation 14, where it says the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And then the part that I just cannot get over is where it says, and they have no rest day or night. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: so to me, I cannot, I feel like I'm 99% annihilationist, but I cannot get over that verse where it says, They have no rest day or night. So I think I'm still eternal conscious torment. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if I hear a outstanding argument for this verse, I might become an annihilationist. Mm -hmm. I might make the move, guys.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And I think well, this is a good spot you. to mention that this is, you know, which I don't know if we said this after we start recording, but this is a secondary issue for Christians, meaning, you know, we don't divide over this. You may choose to, uh, you know, attend a different church, perhaps if your pastor is convicted mm-hmm. differently, but you're not going to divide from your brothers and sisters in Christ in, and say, you know, well, you're not a Christian because you don't believe eternal conscious conscious torment, or you're not a Christian because you're, you believe in universalism in in regards to hell um and so i think it's just important to remember that although we we can and i think should be convicted of some view based on scripture uh i i don't think that because just like you said like because um there is some you know obviously none of us who are here debating it have ever been to hell so we can't without (laughs) a doubt say well i know exactly what it is no we don't i mean we can obviously use the bible and we should again to try and have an understanding that is biblical. But, um, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, that's why we are so passionate about sharing the hope of the gospel with people, because if you are saved, you don't have to worry about that. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. actually have to worry so much about which way you're going to be, you know, eternally separated from God. So I want to take a second to let you know about my next sponsor and that is alongside them. Do you long for your kids to know Jesus? Are you looking for a simple and streamlined way to help you teach them about him? Let me introduce you to the Basics Catechism and the Commandment Catechism from alongside them. This company creates biblical resources for family discipleship. This catechism is based on a Baptist catechism and is written with simple and short answers that are easy for your little ones to repeat and remember. A scripture reference is included on each page to help you dig deeper into God's word together. This book has durable flip pages with modern designs. Uh, It's great for multiple different ages that can learn together from toddlers to parents. You can easily integrate this into your Bible time, family worship, or morning basket. Use the code kindled5 for $5 off your order of sixteen fifty dollars or more. Visit their shop at etsy.com shop slash alongside them and follow them on Insta at alongside them.
3: I do have to be honest and say that I think it's, it's much easier to reconcile people who believe in eternal conscious torment and people who believe in annihilationism Mm -hmm. But I think to be fair and to be honest, I think there is a large chunk of people that would not consider universalism to be acceptable an acceptable belief. And I feel like I'm sort of,
0: Mm -hmm. I'm
3: in between there as well. I think that that may be unacceptable and 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 kind of against. Yeah.
0: Right. That's why I asked about it because I don't believe that if you're just a universalist, like you think that everyone is saved, no matter what, there's no. There's no cost for sin that is needed. God just loves. He forgave you. The second you did anything, you know what I mean? There's, there's mm-hmm. no wrath that needs to be satisfied. I, I don't believe that's biblical Christianity at all. So yeah. that's why I asked that. Um, so Absolutely. maybe, we, yeah, it's something to look into. Yeah,
1: for yep. sure. So I guess I'll communicate my bias quickly. Um, I'm a hundred percent ECT. Uh, now I must say that when I first started studying this, I was a little shaken because I do think that some of the uh, some of the annihilationist uh, verses that they use um, could definitely support the view. Um, my hiccup, though, however, is like Ryan uh, Revelation 19. So there's a theological argument. You know, you can say, can all of the annihilationist verses that they use to support their view can they be applied to ECT? And I think they absolutely can. Can all of the ECT verses be applied mm-hmm. to annihilationism? No. Um, so that's my theological argument. Because when you say when you say they have no rest, and it says if anyone worships a beast and it's imbecile, anyone worships a beast, they have no rest, and uh, their torment goes up forever and ever. For me, that was the final seal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they have an explanation for that, but philosophically, I think. There's an even greater argument to say that there is no real need for the gospel um, right. if there is no eternal conscious torment. Because if you tell me about Jesus and you tell me that I'm going to get annihilated, I don't care. What's the what's going to stop me from just having as much fun as I right. possibly can um, and doing whatever I possibly can? Because I know in the end, it's either heaven or I'm gone. I don't care. Um, there's not much about Christ that I really care for if I love sin more. Um, and we know that about sinners, that they definitely love sin more than God.
3: I really wish we had three hours to talk about this. Me too. Cause I feel like I could debate every word that you just said.
1: By all means go for it.
0: <laughs> maybe we need to do, maybe we need to schedule a part two just for the debates.
1: We should. I think that, I think that will be great, but honestly, I would need to hear like Ryan, I would need to hear a solid Theological explanation um, for forever and ever they have no rest day or night, and mm-hmm. I would need a real uh, a real answer to, you know what the what the purpose of the gospel is, mm-hmm. um, if it's not to actually save you from something that's worth being saved from, because for me, annihilationism doesn't seem that bad. I mean unless unless there's something that I'm missing out on maybe they maybe they experience hell up until the point of judgment and then they get annihilated um is that the correct view Ryan you would know more than i would
3: yeah i mean essentially yeah you you are tormented and the torment is so intense that it annihilates you essentially you, so you, you do go relieved. through
1: you get relieved from the suffering that's so bad that you like i, oh, I suppose I'm
3: gone. So I don't know if you would have feelings after you get annihilated, though. I don't know no, if there would, would be much relief.
1: relief. It would bring the relief from the conscious torment that you're experiencing.
3: Uh, yeah, that's true. If uh, you Relief's know what, not the right word.
1: We need to save this for part two. Part two,
0: let's, baby. Let's for let's sure set it. up part two, because I feel like, yeah, I have some questions and, and some challenges that I could bring to uh, that I would like to hear your, your feedback on, and I know you have to go. And so. honestly,
1: Ryan's, gonna, Ryan's definitely going to hold his weight. Because we've discussed this before,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I think there are some real answers to it, and what you said before is perfect. This is a secondary issue, mm-hmm. um, but what's not a secondary issue is the fact that you definitely don't want to go to hell. <laughs> That's
0: right. It's not the, a secondary the, yes. issue for your life. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's 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 merely secondary because we cannot prove what these verses mean, but you mm-hmm. we can prove from the Bible that we are hopelessly condemned without Jesus Christ. And so.
3: Absolutely.
0: That we can agree on. <laughs>
3: Amen. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Amen. All right, Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really excited for part two. I feel like that's where we're really going to, we're really yeah. going to get into it. So it'll be great.
1: Do you want to give Mark a few minutes? to?
0: I do. Yes. If, yeah. And Ryan, yeah, you can hop of Brian, off. I do have to Ryan jump
3: off. Sorry, off. guys. Thank you All so right. much. Yeah. All Thanks, Ryan, Haley. Talk to you
1: later. Bye,
0: guys.
3: Bye.
2: Yeah, Yeah, Mark, I'd love to hear what you think. Okay. Um, You know, honestly, uh, I'm conflicted. Like, I'm conflicted between ECT and annihilationism. um, But I I don't think that universalism uh, holds much water. Uh, It's kind of for similar reasons that Nick was saying. It's like it kind of um, makes the gospel pointless, I feel. Uh, that there's no no sense of urgency to evangelize. There's no basically no consequence to sin. Mm-hmm. But with the other two, when you just look at scripture, there does seem to be um, some ambiguity where it's like, okay, what is it really saying? Some verses say destruction, and some verses say eternal destruction. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, the annihilationists are defining destruction as being a one-time event where you are annihilated from existence. But then what does eternal destruction mean? You know, then it almost seems like a contradiction. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm conflicted. It's like, I don't know what to think. I, I, I guess for a long time, I I've probably just believed in ECT. Um, I think there is a lot of scriptural support for that. I, I, Right now I'm, st- I'm still conflicted, but I think there might be more scriptural support for ECT still. Um, like we've all talked about the verse in Revelation where it talks about having no rest, you know, and then if annihilationism is true, why is there, why does it talk about eternal fire? What's What's the point of God making an eternal fire if the souls that go there, are not going to be there for eternity. Is there just going to be this fire that burns forever with nothing there?
1: Well, I actually, no, I actually know the answer to that, actually. Um, they believe that the eternal fire is for the devil and the Antichrist. Okay. So that would be the, that that it would be eternally there for them. Um, because in Revelation 20, um, it says that the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they were tormented day and night. Um, okay. so that's what they would say
3: yeah
2: um so that's my take i i don't know what to believe i just know i'm not really convinced by universalism
0: yeah that's yeah i feel like that's a stretch you know to to really go there i mean it's wish i, I do feel like it's wishful thinking i mean it it would be in a sense you would think like oh that i mean that yeah god is love so love has to restore and redeem all things and you know and and i can i can sort of understand the thinking there but the problem is like he does for those who believe in him and then that's for all those verses that you know i mean half of scripture you know is is speaking to that reality so it is is kind of hard to get hard to get over that one
1: yeah for sure
2: yeah for sure. Did you uh, did you want to talk about your view, Haley?
0: Yeah, you know, I I would say I'm also ECT. I I've never considered anything else an option. Um, I mean, hearing the verses for uh, or the yeah Ryan's kind of presentation of annihilationism, I can see how someone would come to that conclusion. Um, but I am not convinced by it, and I think you know, and we can get into this more you know if we do a part two. But I would say like the for me, I, as he was talking, I was thinking about... Um, this is a little unfair because he can't respond. But, you know, the opposite of eternal life is is not eternal death. It's ju- just death, he said, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't that what he said? Yeah, the yes.
2: wages of sin is death.
0: Wages of sin is death, not eternal death. But I would yeah. say, okay, well, if, what, if the offer in Christ through salvation is eternal life then the opposite of that and what I would say is represented in, in how I've always understood, you know, the wages of sin is death is an equal and opposite an eternal death, not
1: just, yeah, that's kind of not, what we were saying with antithetical right. parallelism. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Not just death, but eternal death that has to be e- as equally terrible as eternal life is wonderful. Right. So um, yeah, I, I, would say Death, but he would "Death say, is more than just ceasing to exist."
1: He would say, "You're eternally gone." Thank you. So that's the eternal punishment. Thanks, John. That your 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 existence you can't get back. So it, it is eternal, in the sense of okay, you're gone forever. So um, I, again, I'm not defending them, but I do think that uh, the, the things it's that they do run. have an answer yeah. for should should be answered to and not just disregarded. Uh, mm-hmm. They would say that the your existence is not eternal so that punishment is eternal because you can't Mm -hmm. come back you're not reincarnated you know you can't come back as a cat or something no you're done you're gone forever and up until that point the suffering and punishment was so bad that that you still experienced hell Mm -hmm. um but you know and there's a lot of theological arguments that i don't want to open up a can of worms that they would use Mm -hmm. um you know but we can talk about that for part two for sure
0: yeah yeah, I think it's an interesting topic, and I, I do think that it's something people should think about and mm-hmm. um, and consider because it's in the Bible, and so that obviously means it's important. And even if we can't come to one hundred percent clarity on exactly what it looks like, it it matters to us because it mattered enough um, for God to put it in His Word. So
1: exactly, yeah, yep.
0: yeah. All right, well. Awesome. I I look forward to part two and we will, we will get into a lively discussion of that. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for joining. So where can people find you guys and your podcast um, and where do they follow you online?
1: So you can definitely check us out on our website at Bible dingers.com. That's B I B L E D I N G E R S. Um, And of course you can find us on social media, um, ideally Instagram. That's where everybody's at. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have, you know, we have a family there that we'd love for you to be a part of. Um, and we definitely support you Haley a hundred percent. We love your ministry and we thank you so much for letting us on here. It's definitely a privilege.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining. It's been great.
1: Yeah. Good talks. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully there's a part two.
0: Yeah. I would love to do that.
1: All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Take care.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope that that was informative and educational. And uh, we will be doing a part two from this episode, uh, hopefully soon, where we will come back and let the three guys from Bible Dingers uh, have a friendly debate of their views based on scripture. So that'll be really fun. So be sure and keep an eye out for that. Um, If you're on Patreon, I will see you on Friday. If not, I will see you next Monday. And as always, if you love this podcast, I appreciate so much if you would leave us a review in uh, Apple podcast that just helps the podcast get found so much. So thank you guys and I'll see you next week.